And uh, so, ministry in the Word. Let's go into it. You ready? Are you uh, Are you doing? Are you? You're you're, I'm hot. Wonderful. Okay. Thank you, Brother Dan. That's awesome. So it's on your computer. I don't have to mess. Yes, yeah, it are. works. Yeah, I love that. Okay, ministry in the Word. So we've talked about your calling. What did we talk about last time? What did we talk about last time? What was the theme? What was the main, the bigger theme? I'm going to wait. This is why I want you to take notes, really, because it's a waste of my time if you can't remember what I'm teaching you. You cannot go back and refer to things. And that's why I know, right? I know, right? Exactly. I'm not, I'm not going to tell you what it was. I'm going to let y'all sit with it. Servants, servant leaders. Servant leaders. We just got done talking about going and serving. I'm like, come on, somebody. All right, servant leaders. Thank you, Jesus. Um, so um, I'm not joking. I, 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 I'm doing this. You're doing this. Let's get the most out of it. Take notes. Take notes. You know, and that way you can go home and think about what we talked about, and you can go back and restudy it and think about. It. You know, last week we got very practical about serving people, about praying in the altar. We got very practical about some of these things, uh, serving in different areas, hospitals, and doing service projects, and how to serve in a jail. And we got very practical, and that's what I want to do: continue that practicality to our studies. Today, I'm going to talk to you about spiritual authority. Now, this um, this is. So important. I, I want to just say this um, in this classroom that um, Brother um, Elder uh, is here today. I, I love having our elders in our room, don't you? Amen. They make me feel safe, and they add such great quality of, of experience to this conversation. But um, Brother Tony is, is building a house, and he sent me pictures of the foundation. Now, you could go to that house today, and you could say, uh, he could say, well, look, here's my house. And he's not wrong. It's the house, but it doesn't provide shelter yet. It doesn't provide plumbing. It doesn't provide, it doesn't, it's, it's, it's a house. So it's a foundation. So we could say, well, it's not finished. It's not good. But if you ever went to a house that didn't have a foundation, right, you wouldn't want to live in that house. You wouldn't even want to go into that house. Right. Amen. Uh, Brother Trammell in in Albion, Michigan, they built their church. And um, about four years ago, five years ago, um, during a storm, a big storm, one of those monumental windstorms, um, uh, it pulled their roof. It, it pulled their roof up and over, and the whole building was said People ran out. They weren't they still are not able to go back into that building. They're still fighting with the insurance company, right? Come to find out, guess what? The people that they hired to build the church did not put the proper foundations in. Wow. So they had to tear that whole building down because that whole building is useless because it has no foundation. They're meeting at a, a totally different place, have been, uh, renting another place, until they, and they're fighting with the, the insurance. It's been four years. Um, because of their fighting over who's responsible, you know, the city inspectors passed it. Is the city responsible? You know, the I mean, they've got all kinds of finger pointing. My point being, without a foundation, the storms come, and you can die. Amen. 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 
So get yourself in a place where you build strong foundations. And what we're doing here is foundational, foundational, foundation. There is multiple steps to foundations. In, in, the, in a foundation for this building, you see that pillar behind you. Underneath that pillar is a large, large block that is six by six. Underneath that pillar, there's a pillar back there. It's covered up. That pillar underneath that pillar, I dug. I, I know because I, I helped dig that uh, that hole. Um, but there is a six by six, uh, and it's six feet deep block of concrete, right? And then there's these big bolts that come up out of that. And then we laid the pad, this concrete, on top of that. So this church has everywhere where you would see one of those, where well, you don't see them very often because we have them all covered up. But every, every time you'd see one of those, you're going to think, wow, there's a six-foot block of concrete holding this building up, up and down, by the way, right? And it has on top of that tons of concrete poured. Steel is inside of it. They, it's it's anchored. It's a way. There, we drove uh, steel rods down into the ground underneath that concrete. So it's not just concrete. It's got these splintered fingers that are sticking out to keep it in place. And and it's the, the, so what you see is the, the just the concrete, the pad or the, the 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 flooring, right? But underneath there is six foot by six foot by six foot of concrete. Big chunks, huge chunks of concrete. I actually have a small testimony on the foundation. Um, I'm going to let you get back to it. I want to teach this. Yeah. Um, no, I'm sorry, but I, I, I have limited time today, Elder, uh, friend, uh, Brother Travis. Um, I, I would love to hear the testimony, but I really want to get through this. And um, and at the end, we have time. Well, please remember, um, yeah. So let me get through this today because um, I have this baptism at noon, and I have uh, today is crazy. Um, so uh, I want to I want to talk about one of the main. This is not the flooring. You need the flooring. This is not the pad. What I'm going to talk about today, can you guys see this good? Or am I out of, am I in, in the way? Um, but what I'm going to talk about today is that six by six foot concrete. Oh, now I got Hannah out. Hannah, you have to scoot over that way, Hannah. There you go. Um, uh, so you can see this beautiful face. Um, so uh, we see that um, this is vital. There's going to be some things in your ministry if you don't get them. It will fail at some point. It may not fail now, but when the storm comes, the right storm, it could have a, a catastrophic failure and kill people around you. Not physically, spiritually. Destroy them. So spiritual authority is an absolute. Spiritual authority in my life. You say, I'm the pastor. Pastors that don't have pastors or bishops over their life that they submit to, right? I pay my tithe because that's a covenant bond. There are two types of bonds in the, in the, in the scriptures, money and blood, right? Money and blood. There's two types of bonds. So that's why the blood of Christ was shed because it fulfilled the price of redemption for us, right? Um, and, and money, uh, we find David went to what the threshing floor and he said, I, I, I can't offer a sacrifice here unless I pay something. So he bought the threat. He said, I can't offer to God what has cost me nothing. So there's a covenant with God through money, right? Through, and it really is not about the money. It's about the representation of what money is, the representation of blood. Uh, 
We could talk about that all day, right? But I want you to come back to this idea in the scripture that spiritual authority is absolute. Everybody say absolute. Absolute. Ministries that operate out of spiritual authority become witchcraft. Amen. Amen. And I've talked about this before, but, you know, send me money and I'll give you a prophecy. You might as well have a Ouija board and tarot cards with you. And um, it's not godly. You don't find it in Scripture. You never find an apostle taking money to give people prophecies. You don't find it anywhere in the Scripture. It's a modern thing. It's a man thing. It's it, it's a, a thing about pride. It's a thing about uh, watch me as I exercise my spiritual gift, right? The gifts and callings of God are what? Without repentance, we learned that in the first week. So when God calls you and gives you a gift, he won't remove it from you, but he will require an answer for what you did. We find that example with the talents. He gave one, ten, one, one five and one two. and one. We know that story, right? So he's going to require what he gives you. It doesn't mean he's going to remove it. That's why you see people abuse people in the name of God. You see these TV programs where people take all their money or do all these weird stuff, and you hear that, and, and you go, "Why would God let that happen?" Because His gifts and callings are without repentance. You will see them answer to God someday, and the righteous Judge will deal with them. Don't get caught off. Don't 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 get all caught up in that. Just move on. Do what God's called you to do. Right. So that's so important. So let's go to the first passage, Hebrews 13 and 17. This is not, um, this is a, a very small version of what um, really the Lord has to say about this. So Hebrews, Hebrews, Hebrews. What does it say in verse 8? Paul writing, in my opinion, um, in chapter 13, verse 17. Um, obey your spiritual leaders and do what they say. This is in the NLT, the New Living Translation, which is translated from the King James, right? So you understand. So it's not an outside translation. They're actually putting modern language into King James uh, translation. Obey your spiritual leaders and do what they say. That's It's a sentence, right? No, so, Pastor, do I have to do everything? Well, no, there's caveats. There's absolutes. So you don't do, if I say, uh, you know, you, you've got to uh, leave your wife. Well, that's outside the Bible. That's outside God's word. That's outside of his promise. If I say, you know, no, you can't buy a red car. Well, that's stupid. That's, that's just stupid, right? Because it has nothing to do with spiritual things. And you don't need to listen to that. Why? Well, because that's just not a part of what God's called you to be. These are spiritual leaders doing spiritual things. This is what spiritual is about. So this is not about people telling you crazy stuff and calling themselves spiritual leaders, right? It always must be made. When you are told to obey something or asked to obey something, it should always be in the lens of God's word, right? Never outside that. So their work is to watch over your soul. You know why I'm talking about this? Because I'm asking you, you are saying to God, I want to minister before your throne of grace in the ministry. And what you're saying is, I want to sign up to help watch over the souls of your flock. This is a big deal. You are responsible and will be responsible. You will give an answer for the things, the advice you give. It better be godly advice, not your own advice. The words that you say to people that will guide them or direct them into a certain path, you better make sure God, and it's from his word. Why? Because you 
are watching over their soul. I want you to think about this for a second. People will spend eternity somewhere and it will have somewhat to do with what you might tell them or not tell them. It's a heavy burden. And they are accountable, there it is, to God. So you think, well, no, ladies and gentlemen, I understand very fully. It's why I am patient. It's why I don't try to react quickly. It's why I want to think about something before I respond to it in a service. It's why I don't allow craziness to go on in service. It's why I have literally stepped off my podium, asked the the praise singers to sing while I went and told a woman to please leave because she kept trying to interrupt me. And she said, I ain't going nowhere. And we called the cops and we removed her. That's how serious I take this, right? She was disturbing the peace. She was trying to disrupt this service on purpose. And we think she was a part of a a radical group that was from Ann Arbor, et cetera, et cetera. You know what? We're not going to let that kind of stuff go on in this house. Not happening. Why? Because I'm responsible. There, There was, matter of fact, people in that room that had never visited before, may have been there for, I don't know, could have been their first experience back at a church in a very long time. And they're going, oh, yeah, it's just as crazy as I've been told. Yep. Not doing that. Not going, yeah, yeah them people are Christians. They're nuts, man. We're not nuts. We had one crazy and we threw them out, right? Mm-hmm. We did it in love and kindness, by the way. We did it respectfully. We did it in a way that was not, uh, you know, you jerk, you know, no name calling, no nothing. We were just very firm. That's it, right? Amen. So you're not going to let them. That's why I'm very careful who I let preach because when you let people preach, they open the spirits of the people and when they insert things that are not of God, people are in confusion. Is 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 that from, we should be doing that? Is that, you know? So you got to be careful, right? Who speaks into your spirit? Let me talk about that. In your life, you have spiritual authority. If you call me pastor, I am in one of the rungs of spiritual authority in your life, but I'm not the only one. I have a bishop, and ultimately, I give an account to him, so ultimately, you also, because I am the priest of this church house, I have a priest, right? So he has the ability to speak priestly things. Amen. Amen. And that's because you chose to be a part of of this house, right? So, and you can choose not to be. That's that, that's the beautiful thing about the kingdom. But I will tell you this. Rooted and grounded is being a spiritual butterfly versus a spirit. You can't be rooted and a butterfly at the same time. You can't be, mm-hmm. right? In, in long term, people that are spiritual butterflies end up very wounded and hurt, and uh, we can talk about that in a later because they have no authority. They have nobody they call pastor. Mm, I've seen that. I have too. Trust me, a thousand times, mm-hmm. where people and and I, I have done I have done this. Usually, when I'm having difficult conversations with individuals in the body of Christ, I'll say to them, the very first words out of my mouth is, "Am I your pastor?" I want to know. Mm-hmm. And I've had people say, "Well, you were three minutes ago, but now you're not." Okay. I, I can receive that. I just want to know where I'm, because I have to give an account to God. I'm accountable to God for the words I speak, the attitude I portray, the actions I take. So it's very important, that, that authority. It better be followed or it will bite you, and you will find bad things. So give them a reason to do this with what? 
joy and not sorrow. That would certainly not be for your benefit. This is Paul writing in Hebrews, and he's trying to let us understand there is something that must be done. And the reason is because he's accountable to God and he's watching over your soul or they or she is watching over. Somebody's watching over your soul, right? So spiritual authority doesn't come from me dictating. It comes from you submitting and saying, I'm choosing God's plan in my life that I understand I need someone to submit to. I've had three pastors in my life. My dad, he retired, Brother Trammell, and now Bishop Hutchins, right? I, I, have, I have had, with all three, differences of opinions, differences of ideas, right? In all kinds of areas, right? The end of the day, when they speak to me in the spirit, I listen and obey. Me and Bishop, we disagree about politics all the time, right? Like we're on like, we're always arguing about it, right? Uh, not arguing, but just, you know, debating. And, um, and, and I would never, I, I'm not in his political, Ill. it doesn't mean I think he's wrong. I just, it's not me. It's not what God's called me to be, right? Well, we both know that. He is a man of God. I'm a man of God, but he's, you know, he's a bishop to others. He doesn't require me to emulate everything he does or say. That's not godly. People that run around and try to be like other preachers, that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about you doing what God's called you to do and submitting yourself willingly to a person that is godly, that will love you, that will speak truth to you when it's inconvenient, right? So that's what I have. In fact, not a month ago, Bishop spoke very straightforward to me about some things, right? And I received it. I didn't like it, but I received it and I prayed about it. And I knew when he said it, he was right. I just didn't want to have to change what I was doing. And he was right. And I know it. I called him, said, thank you, Bishop. You were right. And I'm glad that I listened. I didn't feel it. He said, I know you didn't feel like listening, <laughs> but that's a part of this journey when you are in ministry. Watch Paul and all his disciples, watch him with all of the people that he discipled, Peter, I'm sorry, uh, Timothy and all uh, Barnabas and all these other people and how he interacted with them, right? And how he separated himself, right? Demas has forsaken me. I'm not running after Demas. I'm not going to try to chase him down and make him do this, right? Having loved this present world. So he brought Demas alongside, and they ministered together, and then Demas got off track. And Paul said, well, man, I love you. Have a nice day. He doesn't hate him, but he's separated from him. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Why? Because there was a spiritual authority issue there. And uh, what did Paul do? He submitted himself to James. What did he do? He went to Jerusalem, and he submitted himself wholly and totally. He had his men shave all. He shaved his head. Not because he thought it was right, but because he was trying to be respectful. <clears throat> they all shaved their head. He shaved his head. They were cleansed and purified to go to before the, the council. Well, you don't find that anywhere in the scripture where you have to shave your head, right? Paul did it anyway. Not because it was biblical, but because it was traditional and he did it knowing. He didn't keep his head shaved, by the way, right? He kept going. 
Why? Because he respected spiritual authority. Someone say amen. amen. So I'm going to walk you through this. So we can see that in Hebrews, Paul's at. Now, there's several t- levels of authority in the scriptures, right? Everybody okay? Mm-hmm. Is it hot in here? No? Okay. Um, no, no, that's fine. I'm hot. I can take my coat off. Um, so there are several levels of authority. That you're going to look at uh, on the top here. One level of authority is that God has granted is men uh, to men is civil or governmental, right? We find this in Romans chapter 13, verse 1. Let's read it together. Everyone must, everybody say must. must. We don't like that word, right? Again, everybody say spiritual. spiritual. This is spiritual. If a government says we want you have to go and sleep with your neighbor's wife, well, we're not going to do that because it's outside of the spiritual bounds. Amen. And that sounds crazy, but that, that happens in horrible situations in, in different places of this world where they try to divide families and destroy them. Um, everyone must submit to the governing, governing authorities. That's, that is absolute. This is not, right? Jesus never, ever said we ought to rise up and defeat Caesar. Never. They wanted him to. Never. Why? He wasn't here for government. He was here to seek and to save them that are lost. Someone say amen. amen. So for all authorities come from God. Did I just hear that? All authorities come from God. He puts up whom he will and he takes down whom he will. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Amen. So governments that are in power that you don't like, guess what? God put them there. God put them there. I'm going to let that sit with you. God put them there. God put them there. God put them there. Stop kicking against the pricks and yelling about things that you can't change because God put them there. Go vote. Do your civic duty. End of day. Get in line. God put him there. There's a purpose and a reason. He is coming soon. All things must take pass, come to pass before he comes. There will be a one world government. There will be division. There will be crazy. There will be. Guess what? God put it in place. Stop wasting your spiritual energy on things that don't matter. You cannot change God's mind. Change hearts, change lives. That's what we are. We are rescuers in a dark world. So you can have an opinion, sit around a table and say, man, I can't stand these policies and man, this guy drives me nuts. Great, fine. Be careful because God put them there. If you don't pray for people you don't like in office, then you are disobeying what God is asking us to do. Pray for them that have rule over you. Someone say amen. amen. Now this is this now. See, I'm being your pastor. I'm exerting authority by the word of God. Do you see that? Mm-hmm. And I'm saying something that is not popular, but it's truth based in the word of God. Everyone must submit, right? We're not talking about sinful things. We're not talking about all that stuff. We're talking about normal everyday life. So anyone who rebels, everybody say rebels. I want you to write that word real big or type it in or something. Rebel, rebellion, rebels, rebel, rebel, rebel. 
I'm going to get to this. Rebel, rebel, rebel. Everybody say rebel. Rebel. We don't, we don't realize how deep this word is. Did you know rebellion was the very first sin ever committed against God? It is the original sin. Lucifer gathered a bunch of angels and caused a rebellion in heaven. Right? Rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, the scripture says. So when we talk about rebellion, this is not some like, yeah, whatever, had a bad day. No, this is serious stuff. So what does he say? So anyone who rebels against authority is rebelling against what God has instituted. You say, well, why would God let those people in? They're they're promoting sin. Because he has time and purpose for all things. He will let man go to his own demise. And by the way, there is no political party that's righteous. Just FYI. None. Not one. If we can understand our job is not to be, we're supposed to do what God's word commands. And this is absolute. This Paul doesn't pull any punches here. This is a concept that is, a, and this thing says, uh, anyone who rebels against the authority is rebelling against God, has instituted, and they will be punished. In the end, not now, when punishment is doled out, when God's judgment seat comes, you will give an account for rebellion. So we're watchmen over other people. So if we are living in rebellion, how can we help others avoid it? You want to know why I'm apolitical? Why you don't hear me talk about it? Why it's not something I'm ever going to breathe? Why? This passage right here. My responsibility is to help other people not become rebellious. Mm -hmm. My responsibility is to bring peace, love, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Someone say amen. Amen. So who rebels against authority, against that God has injured, they are will be punished. Verse 3, for the authorities do not strike fear in people who are doing right, but those who are doing wrong. Would you like to live without fear of authorities? Do what is right and they will honor you. So we go on to verse 4. I do have a question. Yeah, go ahead. It's, uh, it's not rebellion if they're telling, if the authorities are telling you to do something against the Lord. That's correct. This is spiritual. This is spiritual authority. So this is spiritual. So you have, again, we're talking about spiritual authority. So we're talking about things. So when God sets someone in place, it's because God set them in place. They may not understand it's spiritual, but it is spiritual. It's to bring about all that will happen on the earth. It's to bring about his word, the prophecies that have went forth, the declarations that are going to happen. It's to bring about, so we may not understand why would God allow that person, right? Why would God allow a Kim Jong-un in Korea? I don't know, but that God has a purpose in the last days and how it's going to happen because he, he's involved with that. He's not, he's not an American God. We view it only through an American view. So when I'm talking about authorities, all y'all are talking about, all you're thinking about is Congress and the White House and and all that. No, no, this is the world, right? And there's going to be a, what, antichrist that comes. He's going to allow. Why? Because he must come in order for the completion of the prophetic word that's going to happen. How many want to go to heaven? 
How many want to spend the rest of your life, the rest of your days in eternity with Jesus Christ? Amen. In order for that to happen, there has to be an Antichrist. <laughs> in order for that to happen, there has to be the mark of the beast. There has to be divisions. There has to be these things. These shines shall, shall be a part of this last days. All the wars and rumors, all the things that we read about in the scripture, we want to fight against these things. And and I and. I'm going to say something to you, very, and this is, you know, one of the uh, things that I have disagreement with other pastors in, in, in a way that they feel like they need to be a part of the, the stand up against this. And I'm going, okay, well, if we're going to stand up against something, are we fighting against God and what He's trying to bring, or should we be plucked, Jude, plucking them from the fire, hating even the garments that are. What's our job as ministers? Are we supposed to be agents of politics or agents of Jesus Christ? I'll tell you, I, I think you possibly know what that answer is. So when we are working in the kingdom, we've got to understand our, our as you pastor, as you go to a Hope Clinic and as you go, you're going to encounter people and things that you disagree with and you don't like and you think it's ungodly. But you're not there to judge them. God will take care of that. You're there to serve them. You're there to influence them for right. You're there to be a light in darkness, salt in the earth, right? Make them thirsty for God. That's what our job is. Yeah, go ahead. No. I want questions. Well, when do we, where is the line where we don't bow down to the golden calf? That's a good question. It's actually a perfect example, right? right? So uh, we don't have time this morning, but if you go back and read, uh, <laughs> if you go back and read, it's a great question. It's an absolute fantastic question. Um, if you go back and read that story about Nebuchadnezzar and that whole, all the setup, yeah, take care, Elder. We love you. Um, he has to go back to work. Um, if we set up, if we we set that up, right? We go, okay. You know, we can go and read that one passage, that one chapter where that happens. But go, let's set it. Let's read the rest of the book. <laughs> let's find the setup and how this all come about and how it ends. How it ends, right? So I want you to notice that when they came and were bound up, they didn't fight. They didn't kick and scream. They didn't, this is injustice. This, you don't, we don't find any of that because their confidence was in God and they did what God said. So they didn't bow because God said, don't bow. Spiritual. Based, exactly. Nebuchadnezzar did not have spiritual authority over this matter. God was in control and they had that word from God. That's how they said, oh, you want to bind us? Here, go ahead, right? And then he said, I see one that, is likened unto the Son of God, right? Because there was, it was divine and it was absolute. A lot of us, we operate in what we're feeling or what we think versus what God will say. His word is everlasting and he will speak to our hearts, not outside the word, but confirming the word inside of us. So where they did not bow was a place of God, not a place because when they bound them, they didn't, you know, that could be, you know, well, they should have resisted them. They wouldn't be, no. Not bowing was a God thing, a spiritual thing. It was not, I dislike his policies. 
Now you're talking against my God. You want me to bow to a God and it's not my God. And so therefore, I'll die on this hill. That's where the line is. You've got to always ask yourself, is this a God thing or is this just a man thing? Right? Are they wanting me to bow? Now we have some things happening in our society where, you know, uh, there's going to be required. We're going to have to stand up. In the next 10 years, I think you're going to find where there's going to be policies that come from government that require, try to require. It's already happening. It's been in the Supreme Court where we are required to marry um, LGBT, uh, where we're required to. So their threat is that they're going to take our tax status away from us. Well, guess what? Take it. Right? Take it. That would cost this church about $56,000 a year. I know because I've got that bill. Um, It would cost that amount in taxes for us just for this property. Right? So I want you to recognize there is a place where you stand up. But I'm not going to stand up. I just will say here, here, I'm sorry, you can have my 501c3. We wait on the Lord for those moments. We do wait on the Lord. We let we let them take it. I want you to notice, they stood. They didn't do anything else. Not one thing else. They just stood there. They didn't proclaim it. They didn't talk others into it. They didn't, nothing. They stood there. Made Nebuchadnezzar come get them. And that's what our stance. Here's our example. Jesus opened not his mouth. They lied on him. They beat him. Opened not his mouth, the scripture says. So in our lives, we want to emulate Jesus. Keep your mouth shut. Do what he's called you to do. And stop fighting about these things that are not spiritual. Oh, they are spiritual, but not concerning souls. They're spiritual in the grand scheme of Jesus is coming back and these politics must happen in order for him to come. Yeah, that's spiritual. But I'm talking about in your individual life, what are you called to do? You're not called to, I'm not called. Now, there may there are some people that are called to be in politics. And if that's their calling, that's great. I'm going to honor that because it's none of my business, right? I know what I'm called to. I know what the scripture commands me to do, right? Some people will say, well, you just, you're not standing up for truth. I'm standing up for more truth than you are because I'm actually following the truth. Amen. You're creating things of your own accord, your own emotion, your own feelings. The authorities are God's servants sent uh, for your good. Man, you guys are really, I love the engagement, guys. I'm not lying. Look, I get goosebumps, man, because the Holy Ghost is in this room right now. And, and it is, it is so, these conversations and questions are so important. They're real. So keep asking, keep asking, keep asking, right? Okay. So, but if you are doing wrong, of course you should be afraid for they have the power to punish you. They are God's servants sent for the very purpose, for the very purpose of punishing those who do what is wrong. Again, this is spiritual, right? And that word punish means guide. It means to come alongside and correct discipline, right? Not out of anger or self-righteousness, but out of the word of God. To what? Watch over your soul. The whole purpose of any of this is for your soul. At any moment, you can say, stop watching over my soul. Amen. Don't do that. (laughs) Well, I'm just saying, but that's the way God works, right? 
and and he, but unfortunately, you'll be out of his covering and out of his authority. Yes, Terrence. You know, I, I sit and can't help but to think what uh, we're instructed to do with Titus, but yet I look at power in the world, powers like Korea mm -hmm. and Russia, Russia or whatever. Russia. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Those leaders, and it's like, Lord, those those people, those leaders aren't necessarily good servants. No, you know, and you know how how we how I best intercede for those brothers and sisters that are under those. I'm gonna give you I'm gonna give you a very simplistic way to pray for them that is is absolutely biblical, and that is pray for them. It doesn't say to pray. Uh, certain things for them. It just says pray for them. So when you're commanded to pray for somebody, you're really commanded to speak on earth what God would want to speak. So I pray, Lord, do your will in their life, in that situation. Lord, whatever you have planned, let it come forth. Let it be on this earth. So I pray in a way that is, is uh, putting it back but God requires us to speak on this earth in, in a spirit realm in order for earthly things to happen. Mm -hmm. So I speak in, in a way that says, Lord, it's your world. It's your kingdom. It's yours. You do what you know you need to do in order to bring about your second coming. Now, I add that. John said to pray, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Yes. And I pray that you add that prayer to your end of your prayers every day that you pray. Amen. If you're not praying that, I'm going to ask that you do because that should be our prayer. Amen. So whatever it is that he needs to do to come more quickly, do it, Lord. Amen. Right? Do it, Lord. Good question. Okay. So uh, you must submit to them not only to avoid punishment, to also keep clear your conscience, pay your taxes. Wow. The law said don't pay your taxes. That's why they handed Jesus a coin. They were going to catch him. Ah, he's a sinner. He was smarter than that. Render Caesar that Caesar and the God of that is God, right? So he put it back in their plate, and they were like, uh, 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 right? I love that. But he said, pay your taxes, too. And the same reason for government workers need to be paid. Did you hear what he just said? For government workers need to be paid. They're your brothers. They may work at government. We have several government workers in our congregation. You don't pay your taxes, they don't get paid. Now, I'm going to suggest that you try to pay as little taxes as possible, but um, pay your taxes. Someone say amen. They are serving God in what they do. Did you hear that? They are serving God. You've got to get a bigger picture of the kingdom. This politician that may be an idiot and you hate his policies or whatever, they're doing the will of God, and you've got to pray for them as such. Lead them in your will, Father. Lead them in your will. Let them do your will, Lord. Let them do. Well, what is his will? Well, I got somebody. Well, he would never will that there be X, Y, or Z. Well, that's funny because if that X, Y, and Z doesn't happen, then he can't come back. So, yeah, there's going to be things that we go, oh, that's, that's ungodly. Yeah, it's ungodly. It's a sinful world eating itself. The world is a sinful environment. Pharaoh. Pharaoh. He raised up Pharaoh. He hardened Pharaoh's heart so he could display his glory. That's so good. Herod. Herod. Right. You know, Same thing. Going, 
Perfect, man. I got more goosebumps, man. Look, I got hairs on top of hairs going on right here. This is my like my LCD board on my arm. It's just a bunch of dots. <laughs> but it's not. I was like, I know God's presence is here. Um, this is powerful stuff. This is foundation. This is the six-foot block under all the other stuff. You don't see it. But if you don't have it, storms come, it's in trouble. Okay, there's another level of authority established by God, and it's within the home. It's within the home. Everybody say within the home. home. So it's within the home. This is very for wives. And by the way, the church in general over the ages has picked on women as our uh, whipping post and trying to submit them and make them feel less than and make them bear the brunt of all the holiness standards and bear the brunt of all the stuff. And that's not God's word. I'm going to tell you something. You study, you're going to find that it, it's men. It's men that better lead their wives, lead their families. We'll talk about that later. It's on another podcast. For wives, Ephesians 5 and 22, for wives, this means submit to your husbands as unto the Lord. As unto the Lord. Remember that guy you don't like, Right? That serving God's purpose, you pay taxes to support him. There's going to be times in your life that your wife is can't stand your guts, but she's going to submit because it's unto the Lord. There's going to be times that you're going to give to your wife and do what God requires. Love her like Christ loved the church. Not because you're excited about her mouth or attitude towards you, but because it's unto the what? Lord. So we got to get that right. People say, how do you how have you been married for 35 years? Well, a lot of, a lot of, a lot of prayer, a lot of prayer, a lot of prayer, right? A lot of, of communication, a lot of submitting to one another. Yeah, I'm the man of my house. Yes, my wife allows me to be. Uh, for a husband, you, you think I'm joking. It's Not the truth. All. I've been married a long time. Oh, she could cause cause me headache and heartache and and, and drive me nuts, right? She chooses not to because she's got a bigger picture about where we're both going. We have common dreams and common ideas and common God moments, right? That's what keeps us. People say, you better pray to get paid together, stay together. Yeah, that's the truth. If you want to quote any little saying, that's the truth. Amen. For husbands is the head. So if you're the head of something, what does it mean? You're responsible. If you're the CEO, the buck stops with you. So men, this is not a free ride. Just the opposite. If your wife is not submitting, it's probably because you're not leading. If your wife is not submitting, it's probably because you're not being an example under God's submission. So you can't get what you're not, what you're not doing, right? So what is it? For husbands, lead his wife as Christ is the head of the church. He is the savior of his body in the church. As the church, what? Submits. Boy, that word gets used a lot here in these passages. Submits to Christ. So you wives should submit to your husbands in what? Everything. Amen. Now, I'm going to be real honest with you, and I, I'm, and this is just the truth, and this is on a podcast. And I'm, I'm not afraid. To, but we are living in an hour that these passages are not popular we we find that people are pulling these passages out ripping these pages and drawing black lines through them because they don't like what it says 
There's a lot of stuff in here I don't like what it says, right? I, I mean, seriously, I, if we listen to our flesh, we'd be doing all kinds of stuff. But here in this passage, we are learning that there's another level of authority. Yeah, I'm supposed to what? Look, what does it say in Corinthians? I'm coming to you in a minute. 1 Corinthians 11.3. But there's one thing that I want you to know. Everybody say one thing. One thing. Now, this is very interesting. Paul is <laughs> talking to the church in Corinth. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Very popular chapter, by the way. Um, and... This whole chapter is about authority. Go home and read the whole chapter. The entire chapter up until he starts talking about communion. And even in that communion, it's talking about authority. The authority structure in God's kingdom. There's one thing. Out of all the stuff I've talked about, I want you to get this one thing. There's one thing that I want you to know. The head of every man is what? Christ. And the head of every woman is what? Man. And the head of Christ is God. God, Christ, man, Woman, children. Not my words, folks. This is God's word. Well, I'm going to show her. I'm going to be in. But you do what I say. No, no. God will strike you down. Does God do that to you? And he's your head. Does God show you mercy and love and kindness and teaching and gentleness and patience? That's how you're supposed to treat your spouse. Amen. Absolutely. You're her head. If something's wrong, it's probably your fault. Because it starts with the head. Well, she just won't get in line. Really? I had someone come to me here recently that said, I need you to talk to my wife about the whole, she's supposed to obey me. <laughs> I was like, excuse me? Well, I'm just, I, I just, I just don't think she understands what she needs to be. She needs to understand that she's supposed to be submissive to me. And I just started laughing at him. I'm like, <laughs> I said, I won't tell you their name. But I said, are you submissive? What, what, what do you mean? Are you submissive to God's word? I said, well, I mean, I, I don't want to be like crass, but... From my observation, just from your Facebook page, you're not being submissive to God. So why don't you start with you and she'll follow suit. Well, isn't there something the scripture says she's supposed to obey? Yeah, but it says you're supposed to treat her like Christ treated us. Amen. That's right. Loved us, cared for us. Oh, wait, died for us. That's how much love it came from him. So when we can love with the love of Christ, you're not going to have any problems with your wife submitting to you. Well, okay, you probably will a little bit. But because um, she's, you know, she's got to work out her own salvation as well. But there is the, the, that is what we strive for. Let me say it like that. But she can't submit. She won't submit to something that's unsubmittable that she cannot submit to. Have you ever thought about someone leading you? You go, you know what? I just couldn't follow them. I, you know, I just couldn't follow them. I couldn't follow them. Why? Because I, I don't trust them. They're not living what they say. Not, but we go down the list, right? We've got to live our lives out, not in perfection, in grace and mercy, extending that same grace and mercy to those in our household. Someone the, head, say? the head does more than just make decisions. 
The huh. head casts vision. It, it, it tests whether things are spiritually good or not. It's way more than just, oh, well, I'm the head. I make all the decisions. But you're not telling your wife what's going on. You're not helping her see what the future is. You're not testing things to see if they're good or not. There's a big responsibility that comes with being a head. That's right. It's Terrence. Is it safe to say from everything that has been discussed about this topic to yeah. entertain that we have to be humble enough to be taught by our wives to submit to the Lord as our head. Not only in the sense that we are his bride, in the sense that there are a lot of things that I have to understand that in order to be in that position you're talking about where my wife is following, where she's working and operating in the Proverbs 31 calling, I have to submit to the Father That's right. in my life. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think that she, I, I, I hear what you're saying, and, and I, I'll use my wife because it's the one I know. Um, my wife unequivocally, absolutely without a shadow of a doubt, helps me be saved. She's my guardian in the spirit realm. When I'm preaching, ladies and gentlemen, I promise you, Lisa Marie is on the front or second row or standing in the back helping other people or posting online, and she's bringing a prayer over my life at that moment. That's what she does, right? I could, um, I could get emotional about it, but I couldn't do it. That's why you, know, you almost lose people. You realize how much of a role that they have played. So has my wife taught me humility? Oh, God, yes. And by the way, the, the humility that my wife has taught me has been through her submitting to things she didn't agree with. And later, later extracting great revenge to prove me wrong. Um, <laughs> I'm joking, sort of. And um, if you have a wife, you guys all think that Lisa's all about smiles. Yeah, ask her son. She's an amazing warrior. I'm not lying. She is a vicious warrior in the battlefield for the souls of men and women. Amen. I'll wake up in the middle of the night and she's in the living room weeping and crying over her babies and over your babies. You know, she's a she's a spiritual warrior. She's war, she's a spiritual warrior for me. I bet you I wake up once a month with my wife laying in bed next to me in the middle kicks the dogs out <laughs> and she knows I'm fighting because we've talked and I, I'm very expressive about where I'm at. I'm having a bad day. My mind is really being fought. But I'll go to bed and I'll have horrible, horrific dreams. That's where the enemy likes to attack me. And I've woke up. I If I spend once, it's been 5,000 times, I feel like, where I wake up and she has her hand on my head and she's talking in tongues. <laughs> Amen. And it's not because I demanded it <laughs> or told her that's what she had to do. It's because there was this symbiotic union that agreed in order to go where we want to go, this is what I've got to do to make sure my leader can go there. Amen. And so submitting to her is a part of my everyday life. It's, this is not about one-upsmen or scorekeepers. This is about symbiotic togetherness that flows in the Holy Ghost that says this is where we're going. We dream together. We constantly remind, 
ourselves. I cannot tell you how many times my wife would ask me in the last 10 years, are you sure you heard from the Lord? Nate, is this what God told you? And stop whining about it. Let's be proactive. Nate, is this what God told you to do? Then you knew this battle was coming. This is not a surprise. You spoke it. Are you sure? Did God really tell you that? And she will challenge me to dig down one again, once again and find, yes, this is where we're supposed to go. So it's symbiotic. It's not, I listen to her all the time. It's not about, but at the end of the day, when I say this is where we're going, well, she says, okay, let's go. It doesn't mean she doesn't have input and Lord have mercy. It doesn't mean that she doesn't have things to say and prayers to pray and directions and influences. And I don't think that's good. I made a suggestion about our church this week and she said, I don't like that suggestion. I don't think it's a good idea. So I thought about it for a day. I bristled, right? Bless God, I'm the pastor. And, you know, Thursday, the Lord said, she's right. I'm like, okay, you're right, baby. You're right. Because you know why I hadn't thought about the big picture. I hadn't thought it out, right? All the the stuff, nuances of it. Anyway, I'm falling behind. Is everybody okay? Yeah. This is good stuff. So, one thing. Head of every man is Christ. Head of every man. Head of Christ is God. Let's keep going. So, we understand it within our home. Lastly, we find that there's an establishment. And I only have a few sides left. There's an established. God's established specific authority in the church. So, just like your home, just like in the world... The physical world, the carnal world, just like in your home, your sanctuary. By the way, as a pastor, I will never go to your wife before I've talked to you in a life-changing. Why? Because I'm the priest of this house, not the priest of your house. I'm your priest, but I'm not the priest of your household. And that's the scripture. So I influence your house. I influence you. Well, what about single moms? I'm, I become their priest. Right? They are the priest of their home. Where there's, it's not like, well, you don't have a man, you're lost. No, it's about headship. It's about leadership. Right? Okay. Single dad, same thing. All that stuff. Um, so we're going to talk specifically for the next few slides about uh, a spiritual authority within the church. And we talked, uh, as you can tell, this has been sprinkled throughout all of this, right? But let's talk specifically Ephesians 4, Paul again writing verse 11. Now these are the gifts of Christ gave to the church. I'm going to say he gave them to the church. He gave them to the church and um, he purchased. How, how did he get these gifts? Well, he purchased them on Calvary. He purchased them with his own blood. These are very important things, these gifts. The apostle, I'm going to say apostles. So let's talk. What is an apostle? Anybody want to give me an answer real quick? So that's part of their job. So we're talking about geographically. We're talking about also the position they are within the church. So Paul was an apostle because he went to places there were no churches and proclaimed the gospel, started a church, gathered a pastor, helped them, wrote back to them. He was their spiritual head in the church 
region. So Michigan, he came to Michigan, and now he's he's the apostle of Michigan, right? So mm-hmm. here in Michigan, we're going to look to him as a final word. I'm the pastor in Michigan, but I'm not the apostle. I'm a bishop in Michigan, but I'm not the apostle of Michigan. Mm-hmm. Follow me? Mm-hmm. So it's geographically, but it's also about the influence that he has exercised in the spirit realm in these spiritual acts, building churches, doing things, right? So apostles. So what are prophets? Anybody want to hear? Tell me what a prophet is real quick. Prophet, prophet, prophet. Prophet hears from God and uh, tells future, tells warnings, um, blessings that a prophet sees is a seer. He's a seer. That's good. Thank you. Um, uh, And he's all those things. Right. Um, But what he really is, is the voice on earth for God. Right. So he is someone that God speaks through in a prophetic way about the future, about things in your life, about. So he is God's voice. It doesn't mean these other people don't speak for God, but his job is to proclaim what God is saying. In, in, as a prophet and also bring forth these things in seeing he is a seer he is has a special gift from god to be able to to uh operate in a spirit realm uh, that is very unique the evangelist anybody want to tell what evangelist is right well paul was he an evangelist when he went to yes. corinth yeah they, yes. exactly yes he was so uh paul went and he preached where there was no gospel he preached to people that did not know Christ. He evangelized. The word evangelized means he brought them to God's word, brought them to the knowledge of God so they could respond to God, right? And they were saved. And then he's got the pastors. Everybody say pastors. pastors. And teachers. Everybody say teachers. teachers. Unfortunately, we don't honor teachers like we honor pastors. I mean, I think that that's sad. But they're in the same line and the same anointing and the same thing. So... One of the things you have to understand as a pastor, you will operate. There are times in my life I'm a prophet. It's not my gift or gifting, but I operated it for a moment because of my calling, because I have to have that moment. I've operated in prophetic gifts probably 10 times in my 30 years of ministry where I know God said. So, and you better make sure it's God that's saying. Uh, you're going to operate as an evangelist, as a pastor. You're going to operate as a teacher, as a pastor, right? So you're going to operate in these. And if you continue to grow, you're going to operate as an apostle, as a pastor, right? Depending on what God's calling you to. Their responsibility is to what? Here it is. Is to what? Say it out loud. Equip God's people to do his work. And build what? Up the church. Anytime you have people that are not equipping you and tearing you down, you better take great caution. Great caution. Prophecies that speak ill of others or things, you better take great warning. Great warning. God's warning is different from prophets or prophetic people pronouncing death or judgment on someone. He came that I might have life and life more abundantly. I've heard prophets pronounce death over people. They're not of God. They're not of God. 
So their spiritual wickedness in high places. They're going to be those that say, Lord, Lord, but we prophesy. Notice that that's the first thing he said they said. They, we prophesied in your name. Prophecy is the favorite, favorite bailiwick of the devil because it's mysterious. And I can say anything I want, and you're most likely too illiterate of God's word to go and search if it's true. So I'm depending on your ignorance that when I speak to you, you think it's from God. You just clarify so much to me right now. I don't even know, Pastor. So we better be careful, right? Amen. So when people speak down to people, oh, this is lifting up the church. Amen. Right? Very Good. important. Very important here. Amen. So why do I... This is a part of spiritual authority. The gifts are a part of your heritage to be able to exercise in spiritual authority. Because each one of these offices have their unique authorities. So understand that. But all of their responsibilities are to equip God's people to do his work and to build them up. The body of Christ. Build up the body. We are the body. We know that from the scripture. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full, if I say full, and complete, if I say complete, standard of Christ. When will that happen? That's right. <laughs> That's right. You got a while to go. I've got a while to go, right? So we can see here very quickly that our, our the responsibility of ministry is two things. Build up the church, equip them. That's it. That's it. If you're doing something that's not building them up and equipping them and encouraging them, you better take you better take great care. Woe unto them. Put a millstone around your neck, right? That's that's true. Okay, let's keep going. I'm almost done. First Thessalonians five and twelve. First Thessalonians five and twelve. Dear brothers and sisters, honor those who are your leaders in God in the Lord's work. They work hard. I would say they work hard among you and give you what spiritual. Love you. Have a great day. Love you so much. And they work hard among you and give you what spiritual guidance. Spiritual guidance. Everybody say spiritual guidance. guidance. If you're not spiritual, you can't give spiritual guidance. One of the things you got to watch with people is, are they being carnal? When I prophesy to you and I start telling you all the wonderful things you're going to be and you're going to do, you better take note that they're speaking to my flesh. If you're telling me I'm going to do great works in the kingdom, if you're telling me God's going to use me to reach the nations, now that's different. But if you're telling me, oh, man, you are so awesome and God's going to build you up because you're so good. I've heard those. How many heard those prophecies, right? We've all heard them. Because why? Because we learn as prophets or people that try to operate in prophecy that if we can appeal to the flesh, they'll think that it's the truth. I'm just being really plain here today. Mm-hmm. Prophecy is one of the most abused gifts in the scripture. Because we know that God will allow you to operate in some form of it and get away with it. You think you're getting away with it until the day of judgment. Mm-hmm. But we prophesied in your name. We even cast out devils in your name. See, we proved it, man. Would a devil leave? No, you're just using the name of Jesus. That's all you're doing. The promise is in the name. You have nothing to do with that promise. You didn't die in Calvary. 
You're just using a name. That's powerful. But we cast out devils in your name. God said, I don't even know you. Wow. Who are you again? I'm sorry. The proof of God's presence and spirit in your life working towards righteousness is not the gifts. It's the fruit. Gifts are not the measurement of your spirituality. It is the fruits that you produce. So what does the Bible says? They work hard and show them great respect and wholehearted love because of their work and live peaceably with each other. I didn't put it in here, but the next verse says pay them well. Just so you know. Um, we find in 1 Peter uh, in 5 and 5. In the same way, you who are younger, that's you guys, must accept the authority of your elders and all of you. Everybody say all of you. All that of means you. the elders as well. All of you. A lot of elders like to say, well, that just is talking about the, the younger. No, he says all of you. <laughs> it's pretty plain here. And in context, dress yourselves in humility. As you relate to one another, for God opposes, think about this, opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. Opposes the proud, gives grace to the humble. So humble yourselves under the mighty power of God and at the right, I say the right time. I want you to write this in big letters. I want you to write this. I want you to remember this. I want you to star this. I want you to circle this. And in the right time. He will lift you up Amen. in the right time. In the right time. Amen. In the right time. We know the story of the sower. We've talked about that. And how that there were, they, they all, by the way, they, it was all the same seed. There was no difference. He didn't have like four different bags that he was pulling from. All the same seed. It was the ground. It was the timing it was the ground that made the difference. It was where you're planting yourself. Spiritual butterflies can't grow, by the way. They become stunted. So wherever they start being a spiritual butterfly is where they're going to stay. It's the law of the universe. It's the law of God. You cannot grow without roots. That's just the truth. How many times do we see the Bible talk about seeds? Right? Mm -hmm. Dozens of times. Talking from the beginning, from Genesis. That's right. From Genesis to Revelation, we hear about seed because it was something that everybody understood. The farmer understood, the illiterate understood seeds. They plant them, they die, they come up. So Jesus used that seed as an example so everybody could catch it, everybody could understand it. Mm. And so in this moment, he, he's, he's telling us the sower. You know, there's going to be people that grow up fast and they wither quickly because they had no, they had not the right ground. And those that we could go through that tares grow among them and they're going to, et cetera, et cetera. Be careful in your life to grow where God wants you. Grow where you're planted. Study the life of Joseph. Every time he got put in a situation, he grew to the top of that situation. Mm -hmm. Got thrown in the pit. Grew. Slave. Became the master of the house. Jail became the chief jailer. 
palace became second in command. He grew wherever God placed him. All right, I got you here for a little while now. Grow. I get very despondent with people that refuse to grow where God's planting them. They find themselves in a spot that they don't see, well, this is not where I want to be. This is not, I have dreams for that, this, and the other. And God is saying, grow where you're planted. Do your best where you're planted. And God will move you and grow you even further into other places. Look, he started in a, in a pit and he ended up in a palace. But he never complained. He always grew. I'm sure he had moments of complaint in his own life. But he grew from each and became the best where he was at. So when God plants you in Sunday school, be the best Sunday school teacher. God plants you as an usher, be the best usher. God plants you as the janitor, be the best janitor. By the way, that's the greatest calling on the planet. Swishing toilets and thinking about souls, it takes a lot of vision. Right? I, I, I was a janitor in this church for five, four years. So, um, I, I, you know, I, I cleaned the restrooms and, and scrubbed the floors. And, you know, I'm glad got my dad made me do that. It taught me something about ministry that I would not have learned otherwise. Okay, uh, last slide. Here we go. Uh, humble yourself. I say humble myself. It doesn't mean degrade yourself. It doesn't mean let other people walk on you. It does not mean that word humble is before the Lord. It is an act of contrition. It is an, a placement of your life before the altar of God that wherever you say go, I'm going to grow. Amen. That's right. The opposite is prideful. That's right. Absolutely. That's right. Okay. Well, he says, right, opposes the proud, the prideful, but gives grace to the humble. Okay. Last slide for today. When we are out of authority, we are in rebellion against God. I read that passage to you earlier. And I want to just, I would highly suggest you read the books of first and second Peter. Um, they're short reads, but they're very powerful. I want to just read this, this portion right here in closing. And then I'm going to go. Um, we're going to go. So in second Peter two, you're going to find this idea, this theme of authority and um, it's going to be very relevant. If you if you read chapter one, you're going to find an entire passage about the home, and about wives and husbands, and you're going to find very detail, right? So it's interesting that he places that, and then you're going to find about government in the same first chapter. So what I'm teaching, I could have taught all out of First and Second Peter, right? But I chose not to, because um, I like variety. <laughs> but I could have taught this whole lesson out of First and Second Peter. And you need to read it because it covers all these things very distinctively, very, very absolutely. So in 2 Peter 2 and 4, he says this, which is so powerful. And again, this is going to relate to your study in, in, um, in Jude. I was going to say, I feel like you just went through everything that God was giving me in Jude. <laughs> <laughs> right. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was right. So I want you guys to dig. I want you guys to dig. Amen. Right. I, I'm going to say this, and I don't know, but I, I was trying to give just Nan the heads up because <laughs> he's my son, and I was trying to let him shine. No, I'm just trying. Um, I want you to realize I'm talking out of the book of Second Peter, and I'm mentioning Jude. Don't limit yourself 
to just reading Jude. I told you to study Jude and tell me, but Jude is connected to the entirety of the New Testament. You need to make sure that when you study something, you are studying outside of that moment. So I was trying to see if you guys would do it on your own, but I just don't think it's, I think it's unfair for me. But, but, to, but there's so much that Jude talks about that you're going to find that he affirms, he confirms, he reiterates, Right. So make sure that you're looking at the, I want you to look as broad as possible. And again, what is Jude saying to you? Amen. So I have an advantage. I've been doing this for my entire life. I have a scriptural knowledge inside my head that you guys might not have, right? Of connections and verses and passages and etc. I'm terrible, by the way, at scripture and verse. I'm terrible. I know the passage. You asked me what pass, you know, what chapter is that? It's in Mark. Go find it. (laughs) I have a terrible memory when it comes to that. I can't do it. Right. Um, So, yeah, I get my Bible out on my phone. Okay, 2 Peter, let's do this and we go home. 2 Peter 2, 4. For if God did not spare the angels who sinned. Number one, what do you see here? There was a rebellion. Right? There was, he didn't spare them, so he judged them, right? They were heavenly hosts and they sinned. They were the first sinners besides Lucifer. Nobody is above his judgment. Bingo, right? So he's saying, look, guys, I don't care who you call yourself or who you think you are. If God judged the angels, yeah, get in line. Because there's a bunch of people in front of you. But cast them down to hell and deliver them into chains of darkness to be reserved for judgment. Now, there's a, there's a key right here for you guys to watch, right? To be what? Reserved. reserved. You think people are getting away with things. God said there is no man that will not give an answer before the judgment seat of Christ. Amen. So don't despair when there is... Bad things happening in our world. Bad things that happen to you. You put them on the altar of God because he will not spare them because he didn't spare the angels. But this also says he's not going to spare us, you, me, just because we do good things or because we call ourselves ministries. And then he says, you're in, res- you're in reserve. You're back there. You're waiting, right? I'll get to you in a little while, God says, <laughs> you know. Verse 5, and did not spare. So there's a second did not spare. If he didn't spare the angels and he didn't spare the ancient world, but saved Noah and uh, one of eight people, a preacher of righteousness, bringing the flood in the world of the what? Ungodly. And thirdly, turned the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemning them to destruction, making them an example to those who what? Afterward would live ungodly. Three examples, four, five, and six. God says, if you think you can live outside of my authority, I got news for you. Here's three quick examples where they thought the same thing and I did not spare them. He's warning us. If I don't spare angels, my God. 
if I didn't spare Sodom and Gomorrah, if I don't spare the world but judged it by a flood, the whole world, mm -hmm. who do we think we are? Amen. By thinking that we can live in rebellion and be what God wants us to be. Amen. Can't do it. Oh, you can fake it and you can push it and you can do all kinds of stuff, but you're... There's a judgment that's coming. It's not now. We're living in the dispensation, the, the, the glorious grace of Jesus Christ. Right? But there's a time coming where you will give an account for every word, every idle word that you speak. Every action. And if God's grace and mercy is covering you, then he won't see them and you won't be judged. But if you're living outside of his authority, you can't be inside of his mercy. Did you hear what I just said? If you're living outside of his authority, you cannot be inside of his mercy. This is not a downer. This is a fact check for our lives. Again, there's a passage that says, you as ministers will be judged greater because of your ministry. The scripture tells us that I'm, you're saying, Pastor, I want to be trained in something. And I'm telling you that as the higher you go in God, the, the less room you have to move. You get more, the higher you go, the more revelation you see. The higher you go, the more of God's presence and glory you are experiencing. But the higher you go, you also understand that there's greater judgment and your responsibility for others and what they do, what you say to them, how you treat them. Someone say amen. Amen. Does that help anybody? Oh, okay. Words after that praying. <laughs> <laughs> praying <laughs> <in> his authority. <laughs> Travis, you had a testimony. If anybody needs to go, feel free to go. Uh, but Travis, you had a testimony. Why don't you tell yeah, us that I was, testimony? Well, I want to talk about being hey? uh, attacked, and uh, I didn't understand 